Please turn in your Bible with me to Mark chapter 11. That's Mark chapter 11, verses 23 through 25. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him so that your father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we love you. We pray that this worship this morning would be pleasing to you and would be uh, an, an appropriate um, show of our affections towards you. Father, we trust you. We trust your word. We ask that you would teach us from it that you would help us to cling to it when all others fail. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Morning, everyone. came up the middle today. I hope everyone's okay. All right. Just don't want you to get thrown off. How's everybody? Good. Good to see all of you this morning. It's good to be here. And thank you for being here to encourage me and to encourage the people around you. If you're feeling super fantastic today, great. If you're not feeling super fantastic today, that's okay, too. Um, hopefully, uh, as we study God's Word, you will uh, get something that God wants you to hear. Um, let me ask you a question. Are you a good person? Some people answered. Those of you who answered yes don't have to listen anymore. You're all done. Is the world a good place full of good people? Or is it a sinful place full of people who just can't seem to get it right? Is the church a place full of love? Or is it a place where people who are mostly jerks sometimes learn to not be completely jerky to each other. Just curious, and, and don't answer out loud, that's fine. I don't want to start any fist fights. But um, the answer to those questions probably says more about you than it does about the world. Not probably. It definitely says more about you than it does about the world. Here's a follow-up question. Are you a good Christian? Are you a good Christian? For most of my life, 
I think I would have answered no. But I'm going to stand before you today and say I'm a good Christian. He is so conceited. Did you hear Steve today? He said he was a good Christian. I am a good Christian. And I know a lot of good Christian people, and this room is full of them. Here's the thing. If we're going to live as Christians, if we're going to live in God's house, then we can't live with the weight of sin bearing down on us. The reason Jesus came to earth was to reconcile us to God. That split between us and God, He came so that that could be healed. And His blood is sufficient to do that. And I've preached before, and will probably preach again, about the sufficiency of Christ's sacrifice to erase whatever selfishness and stupidity you have thrown in God's face if you repent. And yet, most of my life, I have walked around feeling like, you know what, if God came right now, I'm doomed. Jesus returns today, I'm doomed. That is not how we're meant to live as Christians. Salvation is a free gift. God's love for you is not dependent on how good you are at being a good boy or a good girl. Does that mean I can do whatever I want? Oh, I can just do it? No. That's not what that means at all. And we talk about that a lot, so I'm not going to get into that too heavily today. You know if you're lying to God or not. But we're also going to get into that a little bit. If you don't feel forgiven, if you think you're a jerk, if you think people in this congregation are jerks, then you need to repent. Because all of us have flaws. Well, except me. <laughs> okay, that's not funny. We all have flaws, but we all have grace. If my lovability is based on my flawlessness, then no one's ever going to love me. But in Christ, we are flawless. You ever hear that song? The cross has made you flawless. It's a pretty good song. I don't remember who sings it. No one? All right, that's fine. It's a pretty good song. Look it up. So here's the thing. Aside from not believing that Christ's blood can cleanse you from all wrongdoing, which it can. For evidence of that, read any of the New Testament. Okay? I'm not going to beat that to death today, but here's what I am going to... I'm kind of taking the uh, therapist role here. Is I find... I, I was reading through the Scriptures and kind of trying to talk about this, and hopefully when I study, what I end up with isn't what I started out with. And that's the case here. Two of the things I'm seeing that I think affect our ability to be forgiven is our repentance and our forgiveness of other people. If we don't feel forgiven 
it could be that that's because we really haven't repented. If you say, God, please forgive me for watching that garbage on Netflix. I know I shouldn't watch stuff like that. Let's face it, though, I'm going to watch it again. I'm going to watch more of that kind of stuff. So I'm not really repentant. That may be why you don't feel forgiven. It could be that you're walking with the weight of sin bearing down on your shoulders because you haven't set it down. Because you keep purposely carrying it around. The other thing that I'm going to show you in Scripture this morning is that a lot of the times, the reason we don't feel forgiven, the reason we don't feel like a good person, is because we're not forgiving people. You can't live and, and walk in the light of Christ's forgiveness if you are not a forgiving person. I can tell you, if you think everyone around you is a jerk, you also think you're a jerk. That's from personal experience. The way you see the world is the way you see yourself. So my two points from Scripture this morning, number one, if you, if you want to feel clean, then lay your sins down. If you want to be forgiven, you have to say, I am sorry. I'm going to throw in a little non-biblical stuff here. This is just Steve-isms. But this is generally how an apology should go. This is one of those things, like, if someone comes up and they just pop you in the face, and you're like, blood's coming down your mouth, and you're like, man, what was that for? And you walk away and you come back later, and the person walks up to you and says, I see the blood in your mouth. Mistakes were made. You can't say mistakes were made. That's not an apology. This is generally, in therapy circles, how the apology goes. I am sorry that I, thing you did, punched you in the face. Because punching people in the face is wrong. You're a nice person who doesn't deserve to be punched in the face. Next part, in the future, when I get angry, I will stick my hands in my pockets. I don't know, whatever solution you come up with. So there has to be an acknowledgement of what you did, an acknowledgement that it's wrong, and some kind of basic idea of what you're going to do to not do it anymore, right? Right? If you steal something from a friend or a parent or something like that, you say, I'm sorry that I took your 20 bucks because, because it did not belong to me. It belonged to you. You have been generous. Why would I? See, that's another. And also, because you have been generous, why would I take anything from you? In the future, if I'm that desperate for money, I will ask to borrow $20. You kind of get that? All right, that's the therapist's side. But here's the point. If we're praying to God and we say, hey, God, 
Forgive us of, forgive me of my sins. Cool? We cool? We cool? All right, good. That's why in, in 1 John it says, and we're not even going to talk about this this morning, if we confess our sins, Christ is faithful to forgive us of our sins. Does that mean that we have to write down every sin and if we miss one that God's not going to forgive us? Is that what that means? No. It means if we're just kind of like, hey, God, mistakes were made. We're good though, right? That doesn't work in any relationship. It doesn't work in your relationship to God. So again, what we're going to go over today is you have to actually repent and you have to be a forgiving person. If you can't forgive people around you, God will not forgive you. That's what the scripture says. I will say this, and I think scripture hints at it in a way. That if you can't forgive other people, you will not experience, well, the Bible says you will not experience forgiveness from God, but I think that's not only on a spiritual level, I think that's on a personal level too. If you can't forgive, you will never feel forgiven because in God's eyes you're not. All right, let's do scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Second Corinthians chapter five. That's what I meant. I knew it. That wasn't a mistake. That was, uh, yeah, that was a mistake. Please forgive me for pointing you to the wrong chapter, because I'm a preacher and I study this and I should remember. In the future, I will look at my slides more carefully. Do you see that example? All right. <laughs> oh, we have a good time here, don't we? All right, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old one has passed away. Behold, the new has come. You are not the sinner. You are the forgiven. All of this is from God. God just gives it to you. Who, through Christ, reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, Paul's talking specifically about himself and his uh, fellow evangelists, but he's also talking about all of us. First of all, you're a new person in Christ. Carrying those sins around is a disgrace to the cross on which Christ was tortured to death. That's number one. Number two, God did all this not because we deserved it, but because God is a reconciler. He has godly love for us because He's God. Where He makes things right between us and Him, even though He didn't do any of the separating, He's doing all the closing of the gap. Thirdly, because... We have been reconciled to God. We have a ministry of reconciliation. It's not, just, it's not good enough to just walk around and be forgiven. You have, you have to be a forgiver. If you really want to be like God, you will be a reconciler. 
That doesn't mean that whatever anybody does to me, I'm going to say, look, we're reconciled. It's all good. Let's pretend it never happened. That is not, that's not what God does. But God opens the door. God paves the way. All we have to do is walk forward. We should be bringing reconciliation to our brothers and sisters and the world around us. And walking toward reconciliation with God. And that's the thing. Reconciliation is a free gift insofar as we caused all the damage. God is putting a bridge across all that damage. And all we got to do is walk over the bridge. That doesn't mean we don't have to do anything at all. But it means the thing we have to do is pretty much nothing. Just walk across to God. But we also have a ministry of reconciliation where really... God wants every human being on this planet reconciled to himself, which is why he sent God, he sent Jesus, God in the flesh, as an atoning sacrifice to make things right that we put wrong. When you go around in the world full of jerks, as you see it, remember, these are all people that God has reconciled to himself. People whom God wants to come home. And such were all of us before we received reconciliation. Now we have a ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. God doesn't count our trespasses against us. Again, that doesn't mean we can just continue sinning. It doesn't mean we can act like there never was any sin. If we repent and are baptized, if we confess our sins, Christ is faithful to forgive us. All right, let's go to the Scripture uh, for this morning in Mark chapter 11. Hopefully I gave Justin the right one to read. I did. Mark 11 verses 23 through 25. Jesus says, Truly, I'm telling you, whoever says to this mountain, get up and jump into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Well, that sounds like kind of magical thinking, isn't it? I'm just reading what Jesus said. Take that up with Jesus. Take it up with Jesus. As someone who's been miraculously healed and whom God works in a miraculous way every day, I say take it up with Jesus. 
Does that mean you're going to get everything you want? I like Ferraris. No. Verse 25. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you of your trespasses. Again, let me state. Does this mean that if a criminal says I, kills five people and says, I'm sorry, we go, it's all good, let's hug it out? No. If someone has a history of harming and looks like they're going to continue to harm and they're not repentant, then we'd be kind of silly to just let them continue to run around outside. Right? On the other hand, that doesn't mean that we can't reconcile them to us. That doesn't mean that we can't pave the way for repentance to lead to salvation. And it gets a little complicated here. I'm not talking about jurisprudence. I'm not, uh, the, I'm not setting out from the Bible verses what we should do with laws, because that's not what's going on here. What that's saying is, if you want to be like God, you forgive the whole world. And you build a path to reconciliation. Jesus, being tortured to death, his very torture was building a path to reconciliation. And when he was up there, he said, you jerks! I'm the Son of God! How can you do this? Is that what he said? No. He said, Father... Don't hold this against them. Forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. To have the mind of God, the peace of Christ, to have all those things, I think the peace of Christ comes with being like Christ. And if we're going to be like Christ, we forgive the world. On a spiritual level, that doesn't mean if you slap my kids across the face and laugh and run away, I'm going to let you in my house. That ain't true. But I'll build a path to reconciliation. I will op leave the door open for you to walk in repentance through that door. Does that make sense? If we're not forgiving people, if we walk around saying, well, I would be in a good mood, but my wife did this, my boss did this, my dog did this, my kids did this, and my car did this. Then you're saying, I would be full of joy, but God just hasn't done quite enough for me. Jesus was Jesus when he was being tortured to death. He was full of pain and suffering, but he was also full of peace. He felt abandoned. But he still was the Lord. We can feel joy and peace even though we're experiencing turmoil and suffering. 
Again, a big part of that is, if you have anything against anyone, verse 25, forgive them so that the Father will forgive you. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. By the way, speaking of joy, I see I hear several children making weird squeaking noises this morning. If you're embarrassed that your child is making squeaking noises, don't be. That's the sound of joy, right? Thank you for bringing your children to come lift me up because that makes me happy standing up here and you're just hearing strange kid noises gives me joy inside. So thank you for... <laughs> For bringing them, and yourself, I guess. It's good that you came too. All right. Because I know sometimes when I say something, when I hear some kid squeak, oh, no, I'm so embarrassed. Don't be embarrassed. We, it's good for us to have children around, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Amen? All right, that was today's random sidestep. Let's get back in line. Ephesians 4. We've talked a lot about the Holy Spirit from the pulpit and in class. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And by the way, the word redemption there, we talked on Wednesday night, means there's a debt that has to be paid to set you free. You've been set free and Christ has paid the debt. But there's... Act 2 of redemption when Jesus comes back. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. On the other hand, on the contrary, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Malice means wishing bad things on other people. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. If we can't forgive, especially our brothers and sisters, and if we can't, on the other hand, also forgive, or ask for forgiveness, rather, we're grieving the Holy Spirit of God. If we walk around with bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and smack talk, we don't use the word slander too much. Let's talk about smack talk and gossip. Then we're grieving the Holy Spirit. You're saying, well, I'm not talking bad about him. I, I was just making a, okay, yes, you are. Number one poison in churches is telling, talking about people who aren't there when you won't talk about them when they are there. If you've got something to say, say it to the person. If you're not forgiving and asking for forgiveness, 
if you're not letting go of your anger. Just drop it. But, 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 but just drop it. If you have something against someone and you don't want to tell them to their face, don't tell someone else. Just drop it. Or better yet, have the courage to go up to that person and say, this hurt me. Otherwise, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. Luke chapter 17. Verses 3 and 4. Pay attention to yourselves. Hmm, interesting way to start there. It is in, uh, this is in context of avoiding sin. Verse 3. He's talking about avoiding sin. He says, pay attention to yourself. If your brother sins, rebuke him. Does that mean scream at him? No, it means say, hey, you hurt me. I didn't like that. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day, and he turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. If you can't forgive him, God will not forgive you. You will not be forgiven by God. You will not feel forgiven. You will walk around with wrath and malice, which will cause you to have slander or smack talk, if you prefer, against your brothers and sisters or other people in the world. And eventually that will lead to malice. I wish someone would just punch Steve in the face. That guy... On the other hand, what if they keep doing it and they keep repenting? Well, that's where I came up with my little example there. Because if you repent and say, here's what I did, exactly what I did, here's why it's wrong, here's what I'm going to do next time, then you can say, well, why didn't you stick your hands in your pockets? At least have a discussion. But the point is, you must forgive. Well, what if they just take advantage of me? You mean like you do God every day? Being like God means being taken advantage of, not being stupid, not letting that person back in your house when it's clear they haven't repented. But at the same time, if they truly repent, then you truly forgive them, period. The same way God forgives you, period, all the time. And when you start to understand that God's world is supposed to be about forgiveness and reconciliation, maybe the people around you won't look like such big jerks anymore. The only reason they look like jerks is because you're seeing it through the lens of all of the unforgiveness that you're carrying around. And if you see the world as a bunch of jerks, you are definitely going to see yourself as a jerk. Others' loathing becomes self-loathing. Self-loathing becomes others' loathing. You will not live in the freedom 
and joy of Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 3. Verses 8 through 10. Paul's saying, this is the way you used to be before you became a Christian, but that's not true anymore. But now you must put all of these evil practices away. You must put away anger. Well, don't I have a right to be angry? You do have a right to be angry. You don't have a right to carry your anger around and refuse to let it go. Wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another. Why? Because you've changed. You've been baptized into Christ. The old you that thinks I have to defend myself or the world's going to get me. If I don't protect myself against liars and cheats, and people who do me wrong, then I'm going to be crushed. That person is dead. The new you understands I can't be crushed because I am the son of the living God. Or a daughter of the living God. I'm not scared about people getting me. No one can get me if God is my father. So I don't need to carry around my anger or my wrath or my malice because God is protecting me. I don't care if someone someone gets one over on me because I get one over on God all the time and He knows it and He's okay with it. And I'm not going to... No one's going to take something from me that that I have to protect. I have to protect that or else I'll die. No. God will sustain you. And if you don't believe that, then you're going to be carrying around all these things. You're going to hate the world. And if you hate the world, you're going to end up hating yourself. You've done away with the old self. In verse 10, you've put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. That's the whole point. This renewal. I just feel like the same old person will then be renewed. Stop acting like the old you. Act like the new you that God has made. Let that forgiveness, let that hope, let that peace wash over you and change you. But in order to to let those things wash over you and change you, you're going to have to let go. You're going to have to stop trying to protect yourself and start trying to let God protect you. You're going to have to let go of the things people have done and choose to forgive them. When you forgive someone else, you release yourself from the burden that they've tried to throw on top of you. Don't carry around those burdens. It's our last one, Acts chapter 3.
Peter's speaking at Solomon's portico, and he's saying, hey, you know what you guys did? You killed the Messiah that you've been waiting for all these years. He was the Son of God. You killed him. Verse 19 in chapter 3, he says, So you need to repent and turn back so that your sins may be blotted out. So that God will stop being mad at me? No. So that your sins can be erased. Not forgiven. Erased. So that, and this is the important thing, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that He may send the Messiah appointed for you who is Jesus. Do you feel refreshed? Are you walking in the lightness of sharing a yoke with Christ? Or are you struggling through this world of sin and wrongness and evil and all that stuff? Which are you doing? We need that refreshing. And as Christians, if we don't have that refreshing, are we really saved? And second of all, what good is our testimony about God if we're not walking and the renewal and refreshment of God's cleansing of us. How do we get there? Repent. Turn back. Do the opposite. Every day from now on is opposite day. And if we do that, Christ will be in our presence and we'll receive that refreshment. If the world is a place that you have to put up with, filled with people that you have to put up with but barely can, I would say that you need to reach out to the free gift of Christ so that you can receive that refreshment that you can truly repent of the things you're doing and that you can truly forgive and that you can build roads to reconciliation to the world around you and just let it go. Christ did not ascend to heaven with anger on his back. He said, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing. Let's just be free, let's be refreshed. Forgive, repent, and be forgiven. If you need to be forgiven this morning, if you need to repent, or if you have any other need that we can help you with, or if you're not a Christian, if you haven't received that refreshing when God changes the old self into the new self, please come talk to us.
Let us pray with you. Let us put our arms around you. While together we stand and we sing this song.